0: Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Praise to you, O Christ, I guess. (laughs) What are we supposed to do with that? Why is Jesus, who usually tells us to love other people, telling us that we should start hating people, let alone our own family members? Many of us quite reasonably hear today's gospel and start looking for a way out of talking about it. One way to get out of it is just not pay attention to it. This whole hate your family thing is pretty complicated, so let's go hang out in the Psalms until it blows over. One more subtle way to get out of this reading is to note that when Jesus uses the word hate, he's being excessive. He's being hyperbolic. He doesn't actually mean that you should hate your family. This is probably true. Jesus is being hyperbolic. He's not literally saying you should start hating people. But even if Jesus is being a bit much, it doesn't really make the problem go away. The core of the argument is still that if you love Jesus, you might have to give up your family. So instead of giving you a way out of this reading, let me give you another way into it. In the first half of St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus wanders around Galilee from place to place, picking up disciples along the way. They're not really going anywhere, they're just kind of wandering around. And then halfway through, Luke says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus turns. So instead of just wandering around from place to place, Jesus decides to go to the city. And Jesus knows going to Jerusalem is going to get him killed, but he's decided that this is what he has to do. And something unusual happens when he does that. The crowds of people still show up. Luke says that in today's reading, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And these large crowds have no idea what they're getting into. So Jesus stops and offers a warning. hopefully that gives you some context for today's reading. Jesus is not saying that you should start hating people. Jesus is talking about what will happen to you if you decide to become a disciple. It isn't going to be easy for you. In fact, it's going to cause a whole bunch of problems for you, starting first and foremost with your family. In the first century, when Luke's Gospel was written, this was just a foregone conclusion. To become a follower of Jesus was almost guaranteed to bring strife into your family. If you were a Gentile who told your family that you were going to be baptized so you could follow this Jewish teacher who rose from the dead, it would not have gone over well. And as if that isn't bad enough, in the early church, entire households often converted at the same time. So not only are you going to become a disciple of Jesus, but everybody else is going to, too. So that must have gone over even worse. What sounds to us as Jesus being unnecessarily harsh would have sounded to St. Luke's first readers as just honesty. It isn't about loving or hating as much as it is about priorities. Because following Jesus might mean going in directions your family isn't supportive of and that they don't really get. So if you come to Jesus and say, I want to be a disciple, but only if it means not having any problems in my family, Jesus' response is that, well, maybe you shouldn't be a disciple then, because chances are you can't have both. Now, 2,000 years later, we are in a much different situation. For most of us, the thing that makes it difficult to follow Jesus is not our family. It's something else Jesus talks about in today's reading possessions. None of you, Jesus says, can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. Possessions aren't inherently bad, of course, but the problem is that they so often end up possessing us. We become attached to them so strongly that they keep us from following God. We grasp so tightly to the things we have that we can't receive what God is trying to give us. Sometimes those possessions are tangible things. If your goal in life is to make as much money and acquire as much stuff as you can by whatever means necessary, then following Jesus is going to be a challenge. But lots of times the possessions we have that keep us from following Jesus aren't really things. They're ideas that we have about ourselves, traditions that feel comfortable to us, practices that we just feel are normal at this point. They're not bad in and of themselves, but they can start to weigh us down when we invest them with too much meaning. Around the time of the Lutheran Reformation, there was a Catholic writer in Spain named Ignatius, who started this new religious order called the Society of Jesus, or as we know them today, the Jesuits. And much of his writing was on spirituality – how to pray, how to read scripture, how to see God in your life. He believed that we often found it difficult to follow God, to be a disciple, to go where we're most useful, because of what he called disordered attachments. Disordered attachments emerge when you try to discern how God is calling you, but you come into it with a whole bunch of preconceived ideas about what is and isn't possible. Disordered attachments aren't sinful, but they can keep us from following God's call. In a recent interview, James Martin, who's a Jesuit priest, described how they dealt with disordered attachments as part of his Jesuit formation. When he was a novice preparing to be sent out on his next assignment, his director asked him if he had any preferences for the kind of work he wanted to do. Martin replied he didn't have any strong preferences, except that he didn't want to work in a hospital. He didn't like being around sick people, didn't like the sounds, he didn't like the smells. Great, his director replied. You'll be working in a hospital. And his director didn't send him to a hospital to punish him. He sent him to a hospital because if you're going to follow God's call, if you're going to go to where you're most useful, then you can't send God a rider of your demands. You can't say you're open to anything and then put your finger on the scale. And by the time Martin left the hospital, he knew that he could actually work there. He was detached from his own fear and discomfort, and the next time his director asked him where he wanted to work, he could reply, wherever I'm most useful, and actually mean it. Now this kind of detachment is hard. There is a reason why I am not a Jesuit priest, there's actually a whole bunch of them, but this is one of the big ones. It's hard to be truly open to God's call. In fact, it's pretty much impossible for most of us. But it might be good for us Lutherans to think a little bit more like Jesuits. Because so often when we come to discipleship, we're already coming into it with a bunch of preconceived ideas. These are the things I'm good at. These are the situations I can handle. This is what I'm interested in, so where can you fit me in? We do the same thing as congregations, too. These are the types of programs we do, this is the culture we have, these are the things we care about, and we can follow Jesus as long as it doesn't mean changing anything. But discipleship is all about change. The whole reason Jesus calls disciples in the first place is for them to be changed in some way. To change how they understand themselves, to change how they view the world, to change how they encounter God. Jesus says, You can come to Jerusalem with me if you want. You can be a disciple, but you can't be a disciple without being changed. Jesus is warning us about the dangers of change because change is not easy. If we come to Jesus and say, I want to be transformed, but I don't want to be around anyone who isn't like me, unless I'm on a mission trip, I don't want to have any conversations that make me in the least bit uncomfortable unless I can tell other people why they're wrong. And I don't want to have any engagement outside of Christ's One Holy True Church, the ELCA, formed in 1988. And transformation is going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. Because Jesus loves the people who aren't like us. And Jesus loves talking about the stuff we like to pretend isn't there. And Jesus loves going to the places that we'd rather stay away from. But there's a promise in Jesus' words, too. You can't be a disciple without being changed. Even though change and transformation aren't easy, they're always possible. And as Ignatius would tell us, sometimes when we detach ourselves from the ideas we have about ourselves, the traditions we turn into idols, the stories we tell about other people, we find that God has a much different view of things than we do. That God loves us more than we merit, forgives us more than we deserve, and walks with us more than we know. We know we can't be perfect disciples, but Jesus knows that too. And still, he says, come and follow me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.